Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the show, Fifth Street Soccer, right here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network, also coming to you live on Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports. I'm your host, Nick Gieber. Great to be with you today. <clears throat> I apologize for not being able to give you a live show yesterday. Actually, I am suffering from a little bit of the flu. I'm pleased to tell you I don't believe it's the coronavirus, so I will still be with you to continue the show. So that's the good news. Uh, but lots to get lots to get to today in the world of football. Of course, uh, the Premier League is in its reduced schedule as teams get a two-week break. But that break is coming to an end for many teams. Uh, Liverpool Football Club are playing Norwich at Carrow Road on Saturday, the 15th of February. Of course, day after Valentine's Day. Uh, Man City still have this game against West Ham United that they didn't manage to play last week because it was rained out. That one's going to be rescheduled. Uh, but we do have a bunch of other teams in action, including Leicester City, uh, including uh, Chelsea Football Club playing Man United. So we've got some good games. And of course, the uh, gossip and the, the transfer rumors and uh, all the other nonsense is uh, swirling around effectively. And we'll talk about some of that. Now, here in the U.S., of course, we've got big news. Jay Berhalter has stepped down from U.S. soccer. Uh, that's big news. And the Court of uh, Arbitration in Sport have ruled against uh, Ricardo Silva and the promotion and relegation court fight against Major League Soccer seems to be over. Uh, the fight in the hearts of fans is not over, but possibly the court fights, at least for the time being, are over. Uh, lots to get to today. Love to hear from you. Find me on Twitter. I'm at Nick Gieber, N-I-C-K-G-E-B-E-R. You can also find me on Facebook, uh, facebook.com forward slash Sports Talk. Love to hear from you, and I'd like to welcome to the show all of our men and women in uniform around the world listening on the American Forces Radio Network. Uh, great to be with you, and also if you're listening on one of our digital platforms, whether that's uh, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, or the award-winning Sirius XM app, I welcome you to the show. All right, I'm going to gather my thoughts, uh, step aside, take a very quick break, and we'll be right back to kick it off right here on Fistry Soccer. All right, welcome back for Street Soccer. Nick Eber with you. Lots to get to, including this ridiculous statement from Mikel Arteta at Arsenal, who is refusing to rule out a place in the top four. Uh, now, I've often heard the word delusional used, and, and many people, usually girlfriends and exes, have used that word towards me, but uh, delusional, I know what that means, and you do too. And I'm sorry, Arsenal Football Club currently 10 points, 10, 10 points, all right, with 13 matches left in the season. 10 points behind Chelsea. And Arsenal are the draw specialists of the league. 
which means they're getting only one point a game as opposed to three when they win one occasionally. And when I say draw specialists, I literally mean draw specialists in the league. If I were to tell you that since the beginning of October, beginning of October, that's 17 matches, this team has won only two. Now they've lost five. So they're two, five, and ten. <laughs> they're going to and they're gonna catch Chelsea in the top four. I mean it is it, it is delusion at its finest and it's blowing smoke up the backsides of long suffering Arsenal supporters who have seen their once great club relegated to mid-table mediocrity, and I mean that in the true, rich sense of the word. A club whose signings have been disappointing, whose investment in the future has been questionable, and certainly not dem demonstrable in any way, shape, or form. Mikel Arteta never was a club legend at all. I mean, I don't get this. I mean, Mikel Arteta, when you say Mikel Arteta in Premier League, to me, I think I think Everton. Do you do you really think Arsenal? I mean, is that is Mikel Arteta such an incredible manager? Um, not to me. I find the whole thing bizarre that a club that once had the greatness of Arsenal Football Club, perennial, perennial Champions League finishers, players, participants, is in mid-table and looks like it's going nowhere fast, is the draw specialist of the league. I mean, Mikel Arteta played for six years at Everton. He played for five years at Arsenal. I mean, he was a midfielder. I mean, he never was a prolific scorer, although he did notch 27 for, for Everton in, in, what was it, six years. But I think of him more as an Everton player, certainly, than I do uh, as an Arsenal player, and I certainly don't consider him a legend at either club. And he was an assistant manager for three years under Pep Guardiola at Man City. And all of a sudden, he's given the helm of a club that is and was one of... Look, it used to be the big four, right? I mean, it was uh, Liverpool, Chelsea, uh, Manchester United, and Arsenal. You may not remember those years before uh, Sheikh Djibouti, Sheikh Mansour, of course, bought Man City. And before then, you may not remember the years when Chelsea were a footnote in the annals of history in terms of the Premier League, when Ken Bates had run this team into the ground. Chelsea Village was an unmitigated financial disaster. The team was minutes from bankruptcy, and then Roman Abramovich swoops down or putters in on his luxury yacht with his teeth and his beautiful blonde girlfriends and buys the team and invests 
untold, unrestrained millions of pounds in the team who then turn around and win a number of trophies. And uh must be nice to play football manager for real because that's really what Roman Abramovich was doing, right? But then a few problems show up and some tax issues and maybe, you know, it's tough to be an oligarch because maybe the big man, he doesn't like you so much and... All of a sudden, he's uh, got himself in a little bit of hot water. Could no longer come to the UK. The visa's not renewed, despite him investing gazillions of pounds, by the way, in the economy, which I think was was ridiculous, if you ask me. Not that he invested the money, that they wouldn't let him in the country. But that's the way it is. And I got off track here. I was talking about Mikel Arteta's ridiculous comments about Arsenal being top a top four team this year. Not too late, he says. Not too late. We can still do it. Uh, okay. What's he planning on doing? Clipping the, uh, cutting the brakes on the Chelsea team bus? Dropping a uh, healthy dose of salmonella or E. coli in the cafeteria at Bramall Lane? <laughs> he must have a plan. Because certainly that plan's not unfolding on the pitch. 13 draws on the season. 13 draws on the season. Six wins, six losses. They've got twice as many draws as they do wins or losses. Oh, and they do have a negative goal differential as well, by the way. Now, they may not have lost in five games, although they did lose the sixth one. But 30 draws. Okay, I'm sorry. It's the joke of the day, and I had to have a good laugh at it. I apologize to my Guna friends out there. Uh, much respect for the once great club of Arsenal. But look, until you get rid of uh, this crazy owner you have, Stan Kroenke, who refuses to sell, who refuses to invest, who refuses to do anything other than run this team into mid-table mediocrity and then the ground, although not financially, I'm sure, by the way. I mean, listen, as an owner, I'm sure he's doing exactly what he needs to to protect his almighty and all-powerful investment. But, you know, an investment in, uh, in your profit and loss in your balance sheet doesn't equate to an investment on the pitch and to giving the fans what they really want and what the fans have got are some of the most expensive tickets in world football and a team that sucks. They have a lovely stadium, by the way. <laughs> but is that a trade-off you want? Would you not rather go to uh, Molyneux and see a team that fights? Would you not rather go to Goodison or Bramall Lane? Do you need a shiny new stadium as a fan of the team? Sure, it's a nice to have. Have you gone to the King Power recently? They're happy. They're happy. Not because they have the world's greatest luxury suites or, you know, um, automated loos and bidets in the, uh, in, in, in the ladies' bathrooms, but they're happy because they have a team that's sitting third in the Premier League. They don't care if they eat Cornish pasties and meat pie. They don't need the gourmet salads because they got the gourmet wins. It's really simple. 
there's the financial side of the game, and then there's the game game side of the game. And what do the fans want? The fans want the game game side of the game. And these days, when your game is more global than it is local, you need to have games teams that win, not teams that draw. And I tell you what, drawing, it's insidious. If you look last year at Liverpool, they would have won the league. But for the draws, draws are draws. It's one point instead of three. You could have easily had three. And the amount of late goals Arsenal give up, I tell you, they should be far much further up the table now. Mikel Arteta, keep drinking that Kool-Aid, buddy, because you are, my friend, as delusional as many of my ex-girlfriends. All right, I have to go to break. I'll be right back with more. A Fifth Street Soccer. All right, welcome back, Fifth Street Soccer. Nick Eber with your little clash there to bring it back for you. Uh, we spoke last segment about Mikel Arteta and his, uh, shall we say, uh, Mild mental problems he's having. Well, he's convinced that they're going to reach the top four. Uh, here's another story for Arsenal fans. I know you're going to be really happy about this. Hey, apparently Heinrich Mkhitaryan is coming back after his loan spell at Roma's done. Uh, unless the Gunners lower his £20 million price tag. Well, there's a winner for you. Bring Mkhitaryan back. Yeah, he was such a huge success. Hold out for £20 million. It's the whole, do you remember when Arsenal, and I'm sorry to be harping on Arsenal here, I, I really am, I, I, I really have no axe to grind against the Gunners at all. They really aren't Manchester United, so I, I, I'd really, they've given us some great football over the years, and I'm for that I'm appreciative. But seriously, do you remember when they were looking for a striker? And they tried to get Luis Suarez. Do you remember this whole story? This was a great story. So Luis Suarez is at Liverpool, right? Uh, and um, he has uh, had a good season. I mean, great season, right? And um, uh, he... This is... Uh, by the way, uh, we're going back now. Um, we're going back to uh, what? When was this? 2013. So we're going back a number of years. Um, if you remember, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. This is so typical. So uh, Arsenal wanted to get Luis Suarez. They tried to get him uh, from Barcelona originally, and. Uh, he didn't. He didn't get it, and then they wanted to get him again. And they thought in 2013 that Suarez had agreed to sign for Arsenal for 40 million pounds and one penny. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So his release clause was 40 million quid, right? <laughs> and Wenger's claiming that Suarez agreed to leave um, for that extra one pound. 
it was not 40 million one penny it was 40 million and one pound Arsenal believed the one pound would activate a release clause in Suarez's con uh, in uh, in Suarez's contract but <laughs> he was wrong they were wrong so they offer 40 million and 1 pound for arguably outside of Messi and Ronaldo at the time probably the hottest player in global football <laughs> John Henry who was the owner of Liverpool uh, basically said uh, this was a quote he said what are they smoking over there at the Emirates so I mean this is just one of these you know if you want a player offer 60 million for him okay if you want a hundred million pound player which is what Luis Suarez is or was you got to offer the money for him. But that, my friends, that is why Arsenal are a joke right now. Not a joke as in, are they the worst football team in the Premier League? Of course not. No, they're, they're a decent team. They're mid-table, mid-table mediocrity. But... That's why. That's why they are what they are. Because they are just too cheap. Too cheap to make the move. Now, to give you an idea, and I've just been pulling this up as I'm talking to you, so maybe that's why I had that William Shatnerian pause in there for you. Luis Suarez moved from Liverpool to Barcelona in 2014. By the way, in a move that I think many people think in hindsight probably wasn't the best for him, although a move that he and his family wanted that was done in conjunction with Liverpool. There was no ill, bad feelings or behind the back or underhanded dealings going on in this move. And remember, Luis Suarez was a January signing, probably one of the most successful in the history of the Premier League. He went from Ajax to Liverpool in 11 and left uh, three years later, three and a half years later, after doing, you know, glorious service for Liverpool, no doubt, helping re-establish them. But he left to Barcelona for just under £60 million. That's uh, a, a little bit more than the one that Arsenal had offered for him but one year previously. In point of fact, Luis Suarez's current market value, who is a 33-year-old player right now, who's had on and off some injuries, his current market value is £44 million. So, yes, I agree with John Henry. I don't know what they were smoking over there at the Emirates, but you know, whatever it was, <laughs> it must have been, they must have got it from one of the dispensaries here in Las Vegas. Because whatever they were smoking was certainly making them delusional. Crazy stuff. Anyway, what a once great club, fallen by the waysides. But folks, but they have a beautiful stadium, right? How lovely is that? That's why I'm happy with what 
the Liverpool owners are doing, what Fenway Sports Group are doing at Anfield. They are, uh, you know, understanding the need for a bigger stadium, for more capacity, for slightly better amenities. They had the option of, you know, ripping it down, building a new stadium and going through all that. But instead, they made the decision to incrementally expand the stadium in phases, number one, so as not to piss off all the residents and the county uh, and the county council and uh, everything else. But really, I think in, in a measured, financially viable and sound approach, <coughs> excuse me, didn't require them going into massive amounts of debt to do it. And they add the capacity. They did the one side a few years ago. They're doing the other side, I think, this summer. So in a measured way. Now, does that mean that Anfield is suddenly the most new, modern, shiny, beautiful stadium out there on the planet? No, it doesn't, and it isn't. It's an old stadium that's replete with the ghosts of football past. And that's what makes it charming. That's what makes it a place that people want to go and make a pilgrimage to. I'm sorry, people don't want to make a pilgrimage to the Emirates. Is that, a, okay, maybe you're making a pilgrimage to Mecca for the Hajj, but are you making a pilgrimage to the Emirates to see Arsenal? No, you would make a pilgrimage to Highbury to see Arsenal for sure. You can sit in the North Bank stands with all the gooners, but that's long gone. That's history. That's modern apartment blocks now. I think you lose, and I'm off topic here, but what the hell? It's my show. I can do whatever I want. I think you lose a lot of that atmosphere and that charm. And, and, and as I talked about it, the ghosts of football past. You lose that. You know, I remember being in a band here in, the, well, not here, but in Los Angeles in the very early 80s, late 70s, early 80s, so one of the early punk bands in the city, and we played the Roxy. Pardon me, not the Roxy, the Whiskey. And, and I used to remember going to play, uh, going to the, uh, the green room, uh, which was sort of an upstairs room backstage at the Whiskey, and, and sort of you're like, oh, my God, you know, think of the... Think of the people that have played here. I mean, this was the home for Jim Morrison and the Doors. Jim might have sat in this very chair. And, Look, there's his graffiti on the wall. I mean, that is the ghosts. Those are the ghosts. That's the spirit. That's what keeps you going. Of course, subsequently, they remodeled the whole place. And it's still the same place. And there's still the same green room. I imagine I haven't picked up a guitar in 30-plus years. So uh, you'll excuse me. But... I would imagine that it's still there. It's a different model of club. They do things differently, but still, the ghosts are there. And when you tear it down and you rebuild it with nice, new, shiny, computerized, top-of-the-line, gold-plated toilet seats nonsense, you lose the spirit and feeling of that wonderful old stadium. Look, I'm telling you, fans go out for the experience, particularly football, particularly football. It's not like American football where the game goes on 18 hours long and you, you know, you're so bored at times you get to know the stadium intimately. You know, well, you need a video arcade there or a top line, you know, or a five-star Michelin restaurant because uh, you've got 16 extra hours to kill while you eat. No. You go there to see your team win football games and play the best 
football they can and give it their all and leave everything on the pitch. That's why you go to those stadiums. And for a club to lose its soul, to lose its gumption, to lose its balls, not to put too fine of a point on it, because you want a shiny new stadium and to be mired in mid-table mediocrity should be a call to action for supporters to pick up the placards, pick up the pitchforks, go down, see Stan Kroenke, tell him, Stan, my man, Time to sell and give it to someone who cares about the football. All right, I'll be right back. Fifth Street Soccer after this. I'm not your DJ. <laughs> I'm your host, though, Nick Gieber. Great to be with you. Talking a little football today, as I do every day. 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Right here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network. Also live on Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports. It's always fun. Always fun. And I'm supposed to do a sponsor read, but I can't find it, so we're going to have to do it tomorrow. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm well prepared today. I'm pretty sure it's for Manscaped, but I don't know the uh, the read off off you know by rote. But I can tell you this: they got uh, you know the equipment you need to uh, make sure you're not too mired too far in the history and spirit of the 1960s and 70s all right but we'll talk about that tomorrow in the meantime let's get back to the football so i i've managed to uh spend almost half the show or a bit more of it talking about arsenal and really i apologize if you're a fan of any of the other clubs out there but these uh these comments from Mikel arteta was just so so ludicrous and so stupid and so dumb and and, and so hedge scratching uh, along with everything else going on at this club, that I just felt I had to address it. And then, of course, in typical uh, Nick fashion, we managed to go off on some serious tangents. But there you have it. That's the way I operate. That's my MO, and hopefully that's why you listen. Uh, so we talked about McTarian going back to Arsenal if they can't get $30 million. Maybe, you know, maybe um, Roma should offer £20 million and £1 for him. Oh, 19 million and one pound. Okay, I'll, I'll get off. I'll get off the Arsenal thing. I'm sorry. Um, lots of talk about this wonder kid at Borussia Dortmund, uh, Erling uh, Braut Haaland. He just went to Borussia Dortmund. I mean, they just signed him, and I, I don't know. Let, if you know how many, I'm not uh, as up on the Bundesliga as I should be, and I can't. Oh, by the way, good news, everybody. Kartik will be back on a regular basis starting sometime in the next couple of weeks. His uh, his other obligations have now suddenly freed him up. But uh, let's get back to it. So if yeah, so if we're talking Bundesliga, of course, um, you know, if we're talking Bundesliga, Kartik is the man. But look, let's talk about Erling Braut Haaland, who moved from uh, Red Bull Salzburg. Wonder kid, wonder kid to Borussia Dortmund. Everybody wanted this guy. And for good reason, by the way. Uh, they picked this kid up for 20 million euros. Can you believe this? 
A four and a half year contract, 20 million euros. Came on as a substitute, uh, middle of January or so, uh, when they were playing Augsburg. Came on in the 56th minute and scored a hat trick. <laughs> oh, jeez. There's only one other player at Borussia Dortmund that scored three goals on their debut. Do you know who that is? It's the guy that's not going to be at Arsenal much longer. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, of course. And, of course, Haaland comes on again against Colton, scores a goal. I mean, look, this kid has played four goals for Bruce, four games for Borussia Dortmund, has scored seven goals. By the way, I don't know if you know this, but he was actually born in Leeds. But he plays for the Norwegian uh, national team. A great loss. Anyway, lots of discussion about him and his movement plans. And, I mean, I don't know why we burn up column inches like this. Because I guess since we went digital, there's no, there's no real cost to a column inch, right? But 90 Minutes is, is saying that uh, Man City are looking at Haaland as a long-term replacement for Sergio Aguero. Aguero is 31 years old now. He just signed a four-and-a-half-year contract with Borussia Dortmund. Now, I know that, you know, Sheikh Djibouti could uh, just open up the checkbook and say, what do you want? But uh, it doesn't strike me that that's the best move for this 19-year-old. I'd say give him another two or three years in Germany, and then you're probably going to have one of the world's best players who can make the move. But uh, they are in a problem, in a bit of a pickle city, because they are going to need to get a replacement for Aguero, there's no doubt. Um, not that he's not still got it, because indeed he does. And I am a big fan of Sergio Aguero. I think he's a wonderful player. But, you know, 31 years old, you've got to be thinking past that. And, and I think it's about time. And look, you can talk about what's going on at Man City's season. Uh, we've, we spoke about this quite a bit over the last few weeks. The only thing I will say is that, you know, I think when you won the Premier League twice in a row, that sort of hard-biting, pit-in-your-stomach kind of feeling of loss that you get when you don't win something uh, is not there anymore. And so I think maybe maybe the fight is a bit less. And maybe the focus is a bit more on Europe, because that's yet to be won. And if it is, which I believe it is, that would explain, well, plus, of course, a key injury to Laporte. Uh, I mean, defensively, that has really been the issue for Manchester City. They've conceded uh, 29 goals this year as we are now into, what, game 25. So there are 13 games to go. City have conceded 29 goals, which is six more than they did all season long. Think about it. That is the problem. It doesn't take rocket science. I mean, they scored 65 goals so far on the season. By the way, Liverpool's still on pace. I think Liverpool conceded 22 goals all of last season. They've conceded 15 goals in 25 games. 
City are actually conceding uh, ooh, over a goal a game right now. One, about 1.2 goals a game, which is very unlike them. Yes, they're still scoring two goals a game, and that's why they're, you know, in second in the table. But, but, but they have some, you know, weird losses, right? I mean, they really do have some bizarre head-scratching losses. Starting with, you know, what happened last time out, beginning of the month, when they lost 2-0 uh, away at the London Stadium to Tottenham. But, I mean, if you want to trace the woes for Manchester City, uh, we have to go all the way back to that absolutely bizarre loss that they had uh, earlier on in the season uh, to uh, to Tottenham Hotspur. I mean, pardon me, to, uh, was it, it was to Norwich, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm just going to verify that right now. It was indeed to Norwich. It was a 3-2 a Carrow Road. And everyone thought, oh, a blip. They lost a game. It's a blip. But, you know, they'll come on strong. And they played the next two games pretty strong. Uh, they played Watford and they beat them by the sumptuous score of eight goals to nil. One of the largest uh, wins in Premier League history. And then they went to Goodison and they beat Everton. Remember, Marco Silva was still the coach then. 3-1. But then they lost at home to Wolverhampton Wanderers. So, you know, they've been all over the place. They've been inconsistent. And look, over a 38-game season, the team that is the less inconsistent is the team that's going to win. I'll put it to you that way. Uh, and then you run up against a team like Liverpool, who are not only consistent, they are a machine. And I don't need to repeat it, but I will. They've played 25 games. They've won 24 of them, and they've drawn one of them. And they have conceded 15 goals on the entire season. In fact, if you want to look back, I'm going to run these numbers for you on Liverpool right here. Uh, the last time they conceded, they conceded a goal against Watford, if I'm not mistaken. That was a great game, by the way. Wolves, excuse me, not Wolves, uh, Wolves. The last time before then they conceded a goal was, uh, good, we're still going back here. Back, okay, here we go. Beginning of December, since December the 4th, they've conceded two goals. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's an, outs it's, an, it's a ridiculous number. And that's consistency, and that's why they're number one in the Premier League. And last season and the season before, that's why Manchester City were number one in the Premier League. Because Liverpool's consistency had too many draws. Hello, Arsenal fans, you listening to me? Draws are the killer. You'd almost rather have your team go for it, try to get the three points. From a purely statistical standpoint, you could go for three for, for getting the points uh, three times to make it worthwhile. Do you know what I'm saying? A draw is one point. All you got to do is turn one of those draws into wins, one out of three, and you're even. Two out of three, you're ahead in a big way, and you're climbing the table. That's the gambler, the odds maker, the money shaker. Listen to me, I'm about to go now, but I won't. <laughs> oh, what a tangent we've got on today. I wanted to start talking about the matches this weekend, but I've really only got a couple of minutes left, so we won't be able to do that. But okay, so we were talking about uh, Haaland and uh, Manchester City and uh, a tangent again. I do 
please forgive me. Uh, lastly, uh, Philippe Coutinho. And, you know, this was a really bad deal because this is a guy that was at home at Anfield, was a fan favorite, was just doing great work. But, you know, for many of these... Uh, many of these... Uh, players, particularly the Latin ones, the sort of dream, the thing that they drew up with their Sabutio as a kid was playing for Barcelona or Real Madrid. And, when and sometimes those clubs come a-calling and, and there's no amount of logic or, or footballing logic or in many cases money that will keep them around. So he went he went to uh, uh, Barcelona. Uh, it, it happened. It was a bad move for him. He didn't really fit in, didn't work well with the system. And so um, finally... Uh, they shipped him out on loan. And uh, it's been talked about that a number of clubs are vying for him to come back. Now, he moved for, for £77 million. Liverpool sold him for £100 million, pounds, by the way. But they're saying for £77 million, you can get him back. Supposedly, United City... Chelsea, Tottenham, and Liverpool all interested. I, I you know, look, I, I don't know about that. It's a lot of money. That's a lot of money for a player that is great. Don't get me wrong. Philippe Coutinho is a wonderful little little Brazilian maestro. But really, Liverpool got rid of Philippe and haven't really looked back, have they? I wish him the best, but I, I honestly can't see any one of those teams stumping up 77 million for him. So, um, all right, uh, I am going to take a quick break, and uh, I will be back with more to wrap it up here on Fifth Street Soccer on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports, of course. Big hello to our men and women in uniform listening around the world on the American Forces Network. Uh, we love you. Love being with you every day. I love doing this show, and I, again, I apologize for not doing it yesterday, but uh, I had the flu and still have it a bit, but good enough to get on the mic and wax poetic for you today. All right, I'll be back in, in just a few. All right, welcome back to the show. This Street Soccer, a little gang of four for you. Uh, we had a great show, really. It's been uh, the Nick uh, Stream of Consciousness show. Hope you appreciate it. Uh, look, I wanted to talk about the Premier League games coming up. Uh, we do have a game starting on Friday, by the way, which is very exciting. Uh, because because of the, uh, the winter break and, and how they've done these schedules, you barely realize that teams were taking and getting two weeks off. And um, let me give you the schedule briefly. Uh, Friday, we have Wolves versus Leicester at uh, the Molyneux. Saturday, Southampton-Burnley at St. Mary's. That should be a huge game, by the way, as should the Wolves-Leicester. There's two games with all sorts of import there. Uh, Norwich-Liverpool at Carrow Road. Villa-Spurs, fascinating game at Villa Park. And then Arsenal-Newcastle. What a, what a cracking game that should be on Sunday. And then there's a game Monday as well. Chelsea, Man United at Stamford Bridge, and then City, West Ham, the replay of the game that was cancelled for weather, will take place on the 19th. So between over the next five days, between Friday and Wednesday, we're actually going to have five match days, which is really, really exciting. Um, 
Isn't that great? I mean, I love it. And then, of course, uh, on Saturday, uh, we get back into the regular Premier League schedule. And then, don't forget, uh, you know, coming up not too far away, Champions League comes back. So, all sorts of football to talk about. Hopefully, you'll be staying with me here on Fifth Street Soccer, Monday through Friday, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. Pacific, Monday through Friday. Uh, Join me, and in the meantime, find me. On Twitter, please, at Nick Eber, N-I-C-K-G-E-B-E-R. Let's continue the discussion. I will be back with you tomorrow, same time, same place, same channel. If you've missed any part of this show, you can find the replay available on our podcast network, the Believe Podcast Network, B-L-E-A-V, immediately following the show. I'll chat to you tomorrow. Have a great one. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.